Go to the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 10, and let's read three verses there. And I'll read when I hear, stop hearing the papers rustling. Oh no, you found it. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 22 through 24. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further if the man should not come to them. And the Lord answered, Behold, he has hid himself among the stuff. Everybody say stuff. stuff. And they ran and fetched him. Don't you like that word? Fetched. And they fetched him. And when he stood among the people, Saul was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel the prophet said to the people, See him whom the Lord have chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. God save the king. God save the king. Bow your heads, please. Father, I ask and pray this morning, God, that your anointing would be upon me to preach, and Lord, your anointing also would be upon these ones to hear and to heed. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to be able to preach here. And Lord, also that Centralia Branch will be hearing this and watching this. Fairfield Branch will be hearing this and watching this. Thankful for the internet ministry. Thankful for uh, 90.9 The Vine, that every uh, Thursday that there are people that uh, dial in to listen uh, to the sermon. We're thankful for that as well. We're believing your word will go forth. And God, when that happens, it does not return void, but is accomplishing that which it sent out forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Is it luggage or is it baggage? Let me set the stage here. All the people have come to a certain place of Israel. The people of Israel have come to a certain location. And since there was no holiday inns or Ramada inns, they had to take their, what they were going to sleep in, what their change of clothes, their food. They, it was like a mini vacation, what was going on. And they had tents set up and they had all their luggage and their and everything was all over in one corner. And it's time for them to crown the king of Israel. This is going to change a person's life and change a nation. And what does the man do that's going to be crowned king? Does he say, as one prophet did, here are my Lord, send me? No. He's hiding among the stuff. He's hiding in the baggage. He's hiding in what we refer to as luggage. But I'm sure many times our petty excuses and things that we would consider that it is right for us to miss God, God looks at those things and says, that's baggage. That's baggage. 
Saul had an opportunity of a lifetime, and he's running from it, and he's hiding from it. Get right down to it. Saul was afraid to do the will of God in his life. That explains countless thousands of people in America. They're afraid of what God is going to ask them to do. And yet, I believe that no matter if God asks you to be a missionary to another, to another country, the safest place to be on the planet is in God's will. Saul was hiding among the stuff. Pastor Mark, what's the most difficult thing you've ever done in all of your life? Here's the answer. The will of God for my life. It has been difficult. It has been to where I wanted to pull my hair out and did. And yet, at the same time, it has been the most exhilarating. It has been the most joy-filled. It has been the most worthwhile thing that I could have ever done in my life was the will of God. God's will for my life. And I know the Word of Faith crowd wouldn't agree with that, or the little booklet crowd, like I like to call them, because they've always got those little booklets. But I'm telling you, if you listen to Paul, we'll get into this later on, that guy suffered hardship. And it wasn't because he was out of the will of God, it was because he was in the will of God. Let me read you something that when you went to South America and you was going to be in the Peace Corps, here was what a brochure pamphlet that you was given. What to do if attacked by a giant anaconda. How many would want to know what to do? You're in the Peace Corps. There are anacondas. You're in South America. This ain't like Wayne County. Here was the seven rule list. Number one, do not run. Number two, lay flat on the ground. Hmm. Somebody wrote this. Meant people to do it. Number three, the snake will start nudging your body. Number four, and this is the best of all, do not panic. <laughs> yeah. Number five, after the snake examines you, it will begin swallowing you feet first. Oh, <laughs> the little kid said. <laughs> Number six, when the snake is up to your knees, take your knife out, putting it in the snake's mouth, and rip upwards. And number seven, be sure you have a knife. <laughs> now, James Bond could do that, but I don't know anybody else that could do that. I know few people that could do what God wanted Paul the apostle to do, and yet because he was able to do that, it didn't matter what hell it didn't matter what Rome, it didn't matter what Judaizers threw at him, it didn't matter. This guy was hardened 
because of what he had went through, hardened to everything the enemy could throw against him. And that man was just like the old saying, God gets his best sailors from the roughest storm. God gets his best soldiers from the toughest battle. And the same way with Paul. We look at this guy's life in 2 Corinthians, and let me go through this litany of things that this guy went through. It is astounding. Here it is. Of the Jews, five times I received 39 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. Now I want you to think of this. And we see the account of this in the book of Acts. They stoned the man until a, a pile of rocks is covering him and there is no movement, and he and all those that had done the stoning, they now leave because they had done this before, and they knew when somebody was dead, and they leave, and now the Christian people gather around and start to sing a hymn and, and, and bidding Paul a fond farewell. And about that time, the rocks start moving, and he gets up and out of there, and the Bible said he walks from that city to go to another city to preach the gospel. The enemy couldn't stop that man. And listen, he knew he couldn't be killed. You know why he knew that? Because Jesus himself had told him, you will stand before Caesar and proclaim this message. He hadn't stood before Caesar yet. That's right. That's being called indestructible. A few Sundays ago, uh, Donnie Hefner told me, he said, Mark, when I started doing God's will, it just seemed like that all hell broke loose. Well, you know what? The enemy wasn't paying much attention to you when you was going the same way he's going. But when you're going the opposite direction, now he starts paying attention to you. The loveliest place I've ever seen in my life is Orchardville, Illinois. You know why? Because it's God's will for me. It's God's will for me to stand right here every Sunday morning and preach the gospel. It's God's will for me. And furthermore, I didn't hide from God's will in my life even though I had a hundred reasons to hide. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't have any speaking ability. When I was in high school, I was supposed to take a, a speech class. I got out of that. I was horrified to think that I had to stand in front of those people. I couldn't do that. I could have hidden the baggage when God called me, but I stood up, and I'm thankful that there are people in Orchardville Church, there are people in the Centralia branch, there are people in the Fairfield branch that have done the same thing. They've stood up when God has called them. And God's calling on, on you is going to be different than God's calling on me. Everybody's calling is going to be a little bit different. But thank God when people rise to the occasion. Thank God when people rise to that challenge. Because believe me, it, is, it can be challenging. Karen Wason gave me this a few months back. In church, we should be able to reveal our weakness to find strength. I love that. We should be able to reveal our weakness to find strength. The man with the withered hand. He re Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. He didn't say, stretch forth your withered hand. But the man knew what Jesus was talking about. And boy, we want to put on a good face. 
We don't want to let anybody think anything is going on in our life that's negative or bad or, or is a downer. We want to put on a good face. And Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. You know what he could have done? You know what human nature would have been? To stretch forth his good hand. But he didn't do that. He knew what God was talking about. He stretched forth his withered hand. And when he did, Jesus made it whole, just as the other. If the man would have kept that in his pocket and stretched forth the other hand, that withered hand, he would have died with that withered hand. God was asking him to do something to stretch out, to go a little bit further. Listen, when our greatest fear is letting down our hair, perhaps our greatest sin is keeping our hair up. Baggage. Baggages of, of sin. Baggage of, of guilt. Baggages of pride. Baggage of fear. Fof and fop, F-O-F, F-O-P, F-O-F, fear of failure. That's why a lot of people never attempt anything. And everybody fails. It's just thank God for those that keep getting up. Rick Stratton told me one time, if I fall, it's going to be I'm going to fall forward because I'm going to be going that direction. I like that attitude. Fear of failure. And, fee, and, and FOP, FOP, fear of people. Fear of failure and fear of people, those two fears keep most people right where they're at. They're where they're never willing to venture out, never willing to give it a try. The baggage of bitterness keeps so many people down to where, well, she done me wrong, he done me wrong. And Jesus says, let it go. Let it go. I think it was last summer, uh, or the last uh, kids' camp, I found out that Noel West from the Fairfield branch got called into full-time service. Thank God. God spoke to that young man. That young man rose to the occasion. And now what he will be doing, and I, I know this young man, and I know he will stay true to this, what he will be doing, he will be preparing himself for that job. That's what David did. There was an anointing upon him to where God called him, and now he spent years in that preparation time of being able to fulfill that calling when it would happen in his life. Victoria Ruffalo can tell you about pain on a November evening, 2004. This 44-year-old New Yorker was driving to her Long Island home. A silver Nissan approached from the east. An 18-year-old boy was leaning out the window holding a 20-pound turkey. He threw it at her car. It smashed through the front window, hit the steering wheel, and then shattered her face. In the hospital, her jaw was wired, her eye was fixed with synthetic film, and bolted titanium plates were placed to her cranium. 
Nine months later, Victoria Ruffalo stood face to face with Ryan Cushing. He was tearful, trembling, and apologetic. For New York City, this kid had become the face of teenagers out of control. The judge's sentence enraged everyone. Six months behind bars and five years probation and some counseling. The courtroom erupted as they, everyone objected to the judge's decision, everyone except Victoria Ruffalo. The reduced sentence was her idea. The young man walked over. She embraced him in that courtroom. He sobbed, and she said these words, I forgive you. I want your life to be the best it can be. Victoria later said, I had to let go of the anger. Forgiving him helped me to move on. Say that with me. Forgiving him helped me to move on. Again, forgiving him helped me to move on. Let's say it a little different now this time. Forgiving her helped me to move on. Say it. Forgiving her helped me to move on. Forgiving her helped me to move on. Wow. The woman later said, I was thankful it was a turkey and not a ham because I didn't want to be known as Miss Piggy the rest of my life. See, I think what's on the inside, and I, it, it happens, I mean, <clears throat> more times than not, it's transferred to the outside of a person. There's a great truth in the life of Moses where it says he saw an Egyptian and he killed him as the Egyptian was fighting against a Hebrew. What he saw on the outside was what was going on on the inside of his life. A Hebrew and an Egyptian fighting. Here he was, born a Hebrew, raised as an Egyptian. There was a struggle going on inside him. God would call him. What would he see? He saw on the outside what was going on on the inside. He saw the bush that was burned and yet wasn't consumed as he himself was burning with the call of God, and neither was he consumed. I want to, the more I, the older I get, I think the more we resemble the place we're going. Some old man that's hateful and hate-filled and meaner than a junkyard dog with AIDS, and you think got a good word for anybody, the older he gets, the more he resembles the place that he's going. You think of the Christian person that's a joy to be around and, and the grace of God has just brought upon that person a, a spirit of, of help and, and liberty and goodness to people. The older she gets, 
the more she looks like the place that she's going to. I see in King Saul's life, always trying to hold King, or always trying to hold David back, the guy that was going to be the next king. Listen, when other people can't rejoice with you, you need to stop hanging around with them. King Saul could not rejoice because David was going to be the next king, so instead he tried to kill him. I got this from T.D. Jakes a number of years back. I've used this a couple of times. I think there's some uh, valid and vivid truths within this. When people can walk away from you, let them walk. Don't talk someone into staying with you. You're better than that. When people can walk away from you, let them walk. Because your destiny is never tied to the person who left. For had they been of us, they would have continued with us. People leave because they're not joined to you. If they're not joined to you, superglue can't make them stick. How about the tenth spiritual gift, the gift of goodbye? It's not that I'm hateful, it's that I'm faithful, and I know that God will get what I need into my life. God's Word was coming from the burning bush, and it won't be long, God's word would soon be coming from the prophet Moses. What was on the outside was exactly what was on the inside. Preacher, it's not baggage, it's luggage. Because with that luggage, I can travel, and I can go on vacation, and I can have excitement, and happiness, and pleasure, and enjoyment, and all of these things. And too many times, we call it luggage and God calls it baggage. We call it a little white lie and God calls it what? Sin. We call it social drinking and God calls it what? Sin. We call it gossip and God calls it what? Sin. Give me that uh, slide if you would. If you ever have a chance to see this in person, you're going to be shocked. I was blown away. It's 62 feet tall. I got to ask every time, I forget. Frank, how tall is this ceiling height? 23 feet tall. So just take this and then again and then again. It's massive. It's massive. The first guy putting the flag in the ground was Harlan Block, an all-state football player. He never got home. He died holding his intestines in his hands. The next one was Rene Gagnon, a Frenchman from New Hampshire, an 18-year-old kid. 18-year-old kid, scared with a picture of his girlfriend taped in his helmet. The third one was Sergeant Mike Strank, the old man of the group. He was 24. He told his troops, you do what I do and I'll get you home to your mom. See, these heroes were not old men. They were kids. 
One Marine, and I think it's the one reaching there in the very back, had a song written about him by Johnny Cash. Anybody knows what that was? Ira Hayes. Ira Hayes. The next Marine was Ira Hayes, an Indian from Arizona. After the war, he met President Truman, who told him, Son, you're a hero. And he responded, Mr. President, how can I feel like a hero when 250 of my buddies hit that island and only 27 of us returned? Hayes lived with the horrors of war continuing to flash through his mind and died in a drunken stupor at the age of 32, 10 years after that event and that picture had been taken that they subsequently built the monument from. The next guy was, I think the guy in front of Ira Hayes was Franklin Sosley from Kentucky. He died on Iwo Jima at age 19 when his mom got the telegram. Neighbors heard her scream through the night. John Bradley was the other Marine. He, su he survived and would get continuous calls for interviews. I think he died last year. He always refused. Six guys in the picture and the statue. Three of them died and three of them came back as heroes. 7,000 of our Marines died on that tiny island. Think of this story the next time you see that statue. It won't just be a big hunk of stone or metal to you anymore. And I want you to also think, every time you look at that cross, don't just see a piece of wood. See what that thing really represents. The Son of God dying for the whole world so that whosoever will could go to heaven. Thank God for people that's willing to lay aside the baggage within their life and to rise to the call, step forward to the call. But not everyone does. Kurt Ludick left home at 18. By the time he was 25, he was the golden boy of Europe. Casinos in France and racetracks in England. I've, what I've come to know from this guy, I got from Dan Betzer. Listen to Ludic's words. The aimless and futile life of winning and spending would have become my routine. Every day in the year, a man might kiss a countess, shake hands with a grand duke, have cocktails with an American millionaire. The only requisites were a clean face, a dinner jacket, and some pocket change. Repeat that formula 365 days a year, and you've had a dull year. Then he writes about meeting someone. That night, we decided to celebrate our new venture. The big restaurant to which he led me enclosed in what seemed like acres. The floodgates of his memory opened. He spoke of his own boyhood. He told me of dreams which had compelled him to fight his way up from poverty and nothingness. He spoke as though he had reasoned the matter through and had no doubt how the story would end. Finally, he said, day after day, night after night, I've been animated by the burning desire to act. Now at last, the hour of action is near. 
When we took leave of each other that night, I still felt the glow of self-sacrifice which his words had kindled. Petra picks up and says, oh, how wonderful, you might conclude. Kurt Ludic thus ends his playboy years and gets some meaningful work, not to mention a true friend. Ah, but your conclusion is premature. In his hedonistic vacuum, only his daily pleasure mattered. Ludic was a setting duck for the enemy of his soul. He could be drawn from almost any quarter, and unfortunately he was. His friend, the one who so impressed him and motivated him, his name was Adolf Hitler. And Adolf Hitler called Kurt Ludic my dangerous brother. That man is much like that Indiana Jones movie when they've got to pick the chalice that Jesus drank from and the guy, he picks the one that's gold and got the jewels emblazoned all across it and he drinks from it and remember what happens to him? Nothing very good. He withered up to dust. And the man said he chose poorly. And Indiana Jones looks the goblets over. Remember the one he picked up? The one made out of wood. He said, this looks like the cup of a carpenter. And he drank from it. And the guy said, he chose wisely. We're going to choose poorly. We're going to choose wisely. We're going to be willing to lay down what, and I could have went through this, but I ain't got the strength to do it. I could have had all this stuff uh, laid up on my shoulders and went through the whole process, but you all get the meaning to where you drop off each one of them. Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is put before us. God's will for us is what he's talking about. Let's do God's will. Again, about with, with Adam over, or with Noah uh, over there at uh, Fairfield, with him picking up that cross and knowing at such a young age what God's called him to do. It's a wonderful thing because he'll be preparing for it and God will bless him a hundred times over and a million times over for that. Bow your heads, please. Father, thankful God for the truth, although many times it is delivered uh, with a stutter, many times it's delivered uh, not as, as readily or as forceful as it needs to be. But nevertheless, God, it is your word and it will not return void. And Lord, I ask and pray that you would speak to the people that are here this day. And God, if this message has touched their heart. And Lord, my job is not to go back and pull people forward. God, it's the Holy Spirit. You, you will speak to people's hearts, and they, by their free will, will come forward. And God, maybe you're dealing with someone here today concerning your will for their life. And there could be in a crowd this size, somebody that, as of yet, they've never said yes to Jesus. They haven't made a public confession of your grace within their life. God, give them the strength to stand, to do exactly what Saul did. He stood up. He finally, amongst the baggage, he stood up. And he accepted God's will for his life. Help people to stand up and accept God's will for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to be seated. Stay seated. We're going to do this just like they did. Stand up. If you, have a, if you have a need, I want you to stand up. I want you to come to this altar. 
If you have a need, I want you to stand up. Come to this altar. If there's a, a calling of God in your life, I want you to stand up and come to this altar. If God's speaking to you to be saved this day, I want you to stand up and come to this altar. Don't play games. Let this be real in your heart. As they sing. The greatest That overcame the cross and grave to find my soul Until I see face to face And grace amazing takes me home I'll trust in you With all I am I live to see your kingdom
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.